You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. I invite you to take, find your scripture around you. If you don't have one, find one in a chair. Turn to the book of John. John chapter 18 is where we're at. We were in uh, 6 last week. John 18, just looking at this theme, why did Jesus come? So if you can make your way towards John 18, 33, I'll, I'll read from that in just a little bit. I want to show one picture. Is Riley here? Mr. Riley, this is your picture. I had a ton of good pictures last week. Thank you. I, I debated, should I put them all up here? They're in the back. Take a look. I just love, you guys are doing great with capturing some of this. This was Riley's picture, Riley Hughes, of, of Jesus coming down from heaven to do the Father's will, and Riley told me the words here was Jesus saying, thank you. So, thank you, Riley, for drawing that for us, and appreciate you kids being part and listening in to this service, to this message. Before we look at John 18.33, I want to just give a bit of context, because we're kind of just starting in the middle of a chapter. So, a little bit of context, and then I'll I'll read our scripture a little bit. Um, We do that normally, but Today this is coming, where we're at, it's coming right in the midst of, of the trial of Jesus, that final trial of Jesus before he would head to the cross of crucifixion. The night before, Judas has come to the garden. He's brought the band of soldiers, the officers of the chief priests, the Pharisees, to betray Jesus into their hands. Through the night, Jesus has been questioned by the Sanhedrin, that Jewish council, and in the morning... In the morning, they bring him to the governor, the governor of the region named Pilate. He's the guy that oversaw this, and they want him to condemn him to death. That's their desire. So they bring him to Pilate, and we find where we're at here. Because of their desire, the Sanhedrin, because of their desire for purity, they didn't want to go in to his place. They just brought him. They had Pilate come outside. They didn't want to be defiled. They wanted to eat the Passover, I believe it says. And so they waited and Pilate comes to them and says, essentially, what would this guy do? What's, what's your charge? And the other Gospels fill in the answer for this. They talk here in John about him doing evil. They fill in the, the charge for Jesus that, among other things, this is the charge, that he claimed to be Christ, Messiah, a king. That, that's really the charge. And, and as providence would have it here, Pilate, takes Jesus, it seems, back into his headquarters and has essentially, I mean, maybe there are other people around, essentially a a private conversation with Jesus. And that's what we're reading as we start at verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world 
to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Let's pray as we begin. Lord, again, we ask for your spirit to move during this time. That what is said from the preacher that would not lead others to you and to the truth, that you would fall on deaf ears, but what is true of you and of your attributes and your glory and your salvation, that you would impact our lives with this truth in a world of lies. So Holy Spirit, we just pray you would work during this time in our hearts. Guide me as I preach. We just submit and commit this time to you for your glory. Lord, where we're distracted and and we're thinking on other things, Lord, just bring us back again. Impact our own hearts today, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, maybe you've heard this, this phrase or even thought it to yourself in the midst of the coronavirus of this year or the election. I just don't know what to believe anymore. Have you thought that to yourself? Uh, I just, I don't know what to believe anymore. Um, 2020 may be the loss. I think I read an article, maybe it was titled, The Loss of the Expert, right? Any of us now, some expert, and we go, uh, of what? You know, there's, there's an expert here, there's an expert over here. Um, you know, the virus, what is, what is this? Well, they think this way, and this doctor said, science, you know, what do, and we're left with, what do we believe? Or the elections, what's what's true and what's fraud and all these sorts of things. And, and even the so-called, fa- do any of you, do you trust the fact checkers, right? We're all like, well, I don't think they get the right fact, right? We're just, it's the loss. And we go, well, what is truth? And there's truth there somewhere, and, and we struggle to see that. But praise the Lord, we know him who is truth. And that's what we're seeing today in King Jesus, ultimate truth. There is a cosmic battle, that's what Del Tackett calls it, a cosmic battle in the world we live in, truth versus lies. And it's nothing new to 2020. Truth has been eroding away ever since the devil, that old serpent, Jesus calls him, we're going to see it later on, the father of lies. Question God's commands and His goodness. Remember to Adam and Eve. Did God really say? And that lie, you, you won't surely die. And lies entered. Even, I mean, the beginning of time, really. And truth there was exchanged for a lie, and it's been passed down ever since. But again, in the manger that we celebrate, truth had come. Come to testify to the truth, and that's what we want to look at today. And we see this one, this truth, testifying before Pilate here. So let's head back to our text. As Pilate now is doing the questioning, if you count them, there's maybe, I think if you can count five questions, I'd call it four with one rhetorical question, you'll see that. But Pilate has these questions for Jesus. Look first at verse 33 and 34. So Pilate again, here's the background, entered his headquarters again, called Jesus and said to him, here's the first question, are you the king of the Jews? 
Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? So interwoven in Pilate's questions here, you see it, is this this idea of kingship. Is that who you are? Are you a, a king? And again, Luke 23 fills in the accusations of the Jewish leadership, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. Can you imagine that? Jewish leadership, they're more concerned about him giving tribute to Caesar than acknowledging this is Christ, the king, and that's their accusation. He said himself, uh, saying that he himself is Christ, the king. And so that's what Pilate asked Jesus. Are, are you this king of the Jews? And here Jesus now turns, right? Jesus doesn't just answer. He has his own questions, doesn't he, for Pilate. Essentially, Pilate who do you think I am? And the trial is actually a bit, it's turned on Pilate, isn't it? Pilate's face, Pilate, who do you think Jesus is? It's much like reminiscent of Jesus asking Peter, who do you say that I am? But then Pilate in verse 35 deflects it. Here's the rhetorical, am I a Jew? Like, uh, what's he saying here? Is, is Pilate's essentially saying, I'm not part of this. I'm, not, I'm just asking. Don't, don't get personal, right, with me. This, is, this doesn't concern me. But it does, doesn't it? This question concerns Pilate and every single one of us here and everyone in the world. Who is Jesus? What will Pilate ultimately believe? And what will we believe? So either the man standing before Pilate is the king of kings or he's not. Again, in verse 35, Pilate then evades the question, seeks out the charges. Uh, Your own nation, they've delivered you over to me. What have you done? To which Jesus answers, verse 36, he answers and refers to his kingdom over and over. My kingdom, my kingdom, my, I think it's three times there. He says, my servants are not fighting for an earthly kingdom. For my kingdom is not of this world. And at present, there already is a realm, isn't there? There's a worldly kingdom, a kingdom of darkness on earth. And yet the light is penetrating that darkness. In fact, John 12, Jesus has already said, He said, I've come into the world as light. You ever wonder why maybe we just like Lights, we like candles, not just for their sense, <laughs> smelling. The, the, there's light. Jesus says, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So Jesus clearly said, I mean, my kingdom over and over, he's a king. My kingdom's not from here. I mean, he couldn't, it's clear. And yet, yet Pilate continues the question in the first part of verse 37. So you are a king, right? It's just just one more question. So you are? And you can just hear, Pilate, you can hear his questioning here. And Jesus replies, you say that I am. And I wonder if Jesus is saying here, yeah, you, you might say it. Do you really think so? Do you really believe that's the, the truth? I think he's far from believing that. But then we get into verse 37, 
past that and Jesus, why Jesus has come. Look at verse 37 again. We've got that first part. Pilate said to him, so you're a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. And then here's our section. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. To bear witness to the truth. Throughout the book of John, this is common language for the book of John. I'll review a couple places where John emphasizes this bearing witness, I think, in in truth uh, as well. You might think offhand, right? Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. You think of that one. That's a familiar one. Um, Other places, John 1 John the Baptist says, I have seen and borne and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. So John the Baptist, he must increase, I must decrease. I've borne witness, this is the Son of God. Uh, John 5, Jesus says this, The works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness. So here, he's on purpose. They bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, Jesus says. John 8 John 8, the Pharisees question Jesus, who says he's the light of the world and that those who follow me will not walk in darkness. I think it's uh, 8.13. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. See this battle? Lies, truth. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. And then in verse 18, it says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. The Holy Spirit also, John 15, will bear witness to Jesus. And then John, just near that, I think it's a sentence or two away from the end of this gospel, says this about himself. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Truth is throughout this gospel, and I, dare, I mean, it's throughout Scripture, isn't it? But we might ask here, just contextually, how is, this, how is truth tied to Jesus talking about his kingdom, Jesus as a king? He's got a kingship. How is that tied to truth? And I'll just read from, from D.A. Carson here explaining this. He says, He... Jesus came, in short, to be a king, or otherwise put, to testify to the truth. Both true things. He came to, to, uh, to be a king, to testify to the truth. The parallelism, that's the parallelism, suggests his kingdom is the kingdom of truth. Or more precisely put, the exercise of his saving kingship is virtually indistinguishable from his testifying to the truth. In this context, truth is understood in more than an intellectual sense. It is nothing less 
than the self-disclosure of God in His Son, who is the truth. And then he says, disclosing the truth of God, of salvation, and of judgment was the principal way of making subjects of exercising His saving kingship. Similarly, only those who are rightly related to God, to the truth itself, can grasp Jesus' witness to the truth. Everyone who is on the side of truth, literally who is of the truth, listens to Jesus. We're going to come back to that, those who listen to the voice of Jesus in a bit. For now, let's just look at at, um, Pilate's last question, because I want to take that phrase and look at it just a bit. Pilate's last question here in verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And Del Tackett asks here, he says, in what, what way? How did Pilate ask this? You know, we don't have the, the movie of this, right? So we've just got to ask, what, what was the, the way he asked this? Was he really asking or mockingly, mockingly saying, what is true? As if, right, who can know truth anyway? What, what is truth anyway? And which is the question we really began with. What is truth? And to answer that in part, I'm going to borrow some. And, and if you were in the Truth Project with us years ago, this will, will kickstart some review and some familiarity with that. If you haven't done it, maybe we'll do it again uh, in time here. Um, but some helpful things th- from that. So I'm not presenting this as here's just my thoughts, but that's where it comes from. From Del Tackett, who, who uh, lectured during that Truth Project. I've already mentioned how he refers to this battle, this cosmic battle of truth versus lies. Truth versus lies. And he points to John 18, 37 here. He points to the phrase, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And he comments that there are sides here. In that very sentence, everyone who is of the truth listens listens to my voice. It's pointing out there's sides in this. There are those who listen to the truth, and then there are, quoting from him, those who do not hear the voice of the Lord, and they're caught in the lies of the enemy. Look quick, look back at John 8. Since you're in John already, just a short trip back to John chapter 8. I mentioned Jesus pointing out their father, the father of lies. Look at John 8. Uh, I'll start in 42. Jesus here is refuting those who would say, they would say, no, Abraham, that's our father. We're legitimate sons of God. Abraham's our father. Jesus disputes that. Look at verse 42, and I'll just read to the end. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Whoa, right? Jesus goes on to say, He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? And here's the parallel to where we're at in John 18. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Without a work of God, call it being born again to hear, without that work, one who is caught, enslaved to do your Father's will, your, your desires are to do your Father's will, one who's caught in that will not hear. It must be a work of God to set the captive, as it were, Jesus, free. Well, Romans 1 also mentions this. You don't need to turn there. I'll read it to you. But Paul speaks there of, of the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and that even though they knew God, they didn't honor Him. Here's what Romans 1, 24 and 25 says. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. This idea of truth and its opposite lies, I don't think it's a minor scriptural kind of a, a little theme. It's throughout, I believe. And I think as you study it and look for it, you'll see it and see it jumping off at the pages to you and see it in Jesus and in John especially here. And so Del Tackett concludes in thinking about lies truth and lies. He concludes this. He says, Every sin that besets us can be traced back fundamentally to the belief in a lie. It was a lie in the garden, wasn't it? Did God really say? Or you will not surely die. The question truth came to the trial of Jesus and even, even in our day, the lie that, that sin will give us some lasting joy. Our pleasure will be found in, in sin. It's a, it's a lie. And this earth falls, falls short. Sinful ways fall short. So Tackett calls it, he says there's a battle of worldviews between the truth claims of God and the lies and illusions of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Truth claims of God are consistent and logical and work and lead to peace and prosperity. As opposed to the world, the flesh and the devil's lies and leads to grievous, grievous wailing, moaning, and death. So what is truth? Where can it be found? And truth is found ultimately in what is really real. R.C. Sproul defines truth this way. Think about reality now and truth. Sound familiar from the Truth Project? Truth is what is really real. Here's what R.C. Sproul says. Truth is defined as that which corresponds to reality as perceived by God. Because God's perception of reality is never distorted. Or as Tackett says, simply, the ultimate source of truth is God Himself. And he gives this illustration of, of truth by by. Uh, it's opposite of insanity. Talking about uh, if you go somewhere and people are dressed up and one's saying, I'm Napoleon, and somebody else says, no, I'm, I can't remember it all, George Washington, whatever, and he goes, where have you just landed? And in an insane asylum, where reality is clouded and distorded. 
talks about those insane as living in an alternate reality. Defines insanity as losing touch with reality and believing the lie is real. Isn't that us caught in in sin? Then he goes on to say that our actions reflect what we believe to be really real. There is only one source of ultimate truth, and that's the one who is standing right in front of Pilate. Pilate finds Jesus. He's done nothing deserving of death. I mean, his kingdom's not even of this world. I wonder if Pilate thought, oh, it's not of this world? Well, not my bother. You know, why, why bother with this? But it's his last question that is the question for all of us. What is truth? Can it be found? And there are many voices. Is it this expert? This article? This person? I thought, may, I don't. Where do you find it? And in Pilate's case, again, the way, the truth, and the life was standing right in front of him. I want to come back as we close to this statement of Jesus at the end of verse 37 then. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Two aspects I just want to draw your attention to just with this this phrase of what Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The first you can just pick up out of the verse is listening, is hearing. We must hear. We might want to listen to our own voice or the voice of the world or the voice of the devil. But to know truth, we must hear. Remember that Casting Crown song that talks about the voice of truth? We must hear that voice of truth in a crowded room of lies. And so, in order to hear, God must give us those ears to hear. He says in John 6, again, no one can come to me unless it's granted him by the Father. Or John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. We're drawn, we're we're set free from listening to the lies of the devil by the sole grace of God to hear that truth. And if you're hearing that truth remotely going, Jesus is the truth. There, there's truth here in Scripture. You didn't, it's not of your own. God is working that in your life. We need to hear Him. So we hear Him by His grace, and His grace has also given us His Word. To hear Him through the Word of God. Uh, to just encourage you along hearing Jesus' voice. Uh, I didn't think of it at the time. They're calling this hot pink. So it is. You will not lose this. Uh, this is our, our plan. I've got it weeks ahead. It's not even January 1st. It can be your first New Year's resolution. I would just encourage you, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, you don't have to do this. If you don't have a way to regularly hear God's voice, rather than just eating breakfast and going, well, say something, Lord. Just speak. And there are times to be quiet and listen. And there are times to read God's Word. I want to encourage you, use this plan. The little pamphlet, give you just a few tips, habits of grace, that idea. We've got notebooks in them. If you need a new notebook to write and journal, take one. Um, but use it. Find some way to listen to the voice um, of the Lord in His Word. That's one aspect, hearing from Him by His grace and His grace that gives us the Word. Secondly, there is believing and obeying. Believing and obeying. Our beliefs 
impact our actions. Believing is tied to our doing. Uh, Paul writes a letter to Titus, and he begins it this way. He speaks of his mission. He He says, It's for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. Knowing the truth, believing, changes how we live, impacts how we live. You remember Tackett's, his statement, fundamentally all sin is owing to belief in a lie. So if you believe the lie, you act on it. If you believe the truth, you act on it. Let me just give a quick, few quick illustrations. What about the sins? Let's just take some. Common sins came to my mind. Uh, sin of unrighteous anger. What about anger? When we're angry unrighteously, when we're angry, what lie are we listening to at that moment? What's the lie? These are just, I mean, I'm just thinking top of my head. The lie says I'm in control. And I can, with my anger, I can control somebody else. Enough force will maybe control them. Or our anger says, what's the lie? God's asleep. Where are you? I'll take care of this. <laughs> I got this one for you. And it's a, it's a lie. Right? What's the truth? God's in complete control. He sees what's going on. We must, and the truth for us, speak the truth in love. James 1.20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Do I believe that verse? Enough to live it out. Anger does not produce the righteousness of God. How about the sin of anxiousness or worry? None of you deal with that, right? What's the lie? What's the lie in anxiousness? We're told not to be anxious. What's the lie there? God's forgotten us. He's not going to care for me in this situation. I thought I would. Yep, it's true. I'm alone. I've got to deal deal with this on my own. I have no one. What's the truth? Seek first his kingdom. What's his kingdom? It's a kingdom of truth. And remembering that Christmas name, Emmanuel, God with us. When we're anxious and we want to worry, how will this all turn out? Lord, you're in control. You're with me. I'm not alone. Or, lastly, what about the sin of idolatry? The sin of idolatry, worshiping something other than God. Our passions are towards something else other than God. The lie This thing is going to give me lasting pleasure and hope. If I get this thing or if I get this person, I will be happy. And it's a lie. We will not. What's the truth? Lasting joy is only found in Jesus Christ. So one last question from Del Tackett. Do you believe that what you believe is really real? Are you believing the right thing? Who's the right thing? Who? Jesus. Do you believe that what you believe in that moment is really real? Reality is found in Christ, the truth. And we can spend this Christmas or this next year or our lives like Pilate, always questioning the truth, which is what Satan would love in us. Is that true? I don't know. I, back and forth. And we would never arrive or embrace the one who is ultimate reality.
may encourage your hearts today, along with mine, to embrace Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the expert we lost. May you embrace Him. Hear His voice. Follow Him. Believe Him. And in so doing, obey Him. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you that it is solely of your grace that we can even gather together today to celebrate Emmanuel, our shepherd who came, that we sheep hear your voice. Lord, help us to listen. Enable us, Lord, when our flesh battles us, Lord, that that we realize we can do nothing apart from you. We need you. We need you to hear you when the lies are so loud. Father, would you quiet our souls with your love and your truth that we find in your word that point us to Christ. So strengthen us in this, Lord. And when we are prone to sin, may we see the lie, the lie that we're believing, and replace it, Lord, with your truth. Pray for us in this name. In your name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.